So this morning, we're going to be in the book of John. John 20, starting in verse 19. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. and If not, you can follow along in the projector here. Well, my sermon is titled, Is Endgame, right? And I thought, hey, how fitting it is. You know, if, if the world wants to, to play off of things that are, 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 are of, of, of Christian belief, we can play off of theirs, right? right. And so my, my sermon's titled, Endgame. Who, who's seen the Avenger movie already? I know some of them have. Nobody in here has? Just the boys. I know the Martinez family went and saw it yesterday. I know um, uh, uh, poor Ryan told me that his parents woke him up at 4-something this morning. They watched it this morning. There's some fanatics out there. But it's called, if you haven't seen it, if you're not an Avengers fan, I, I enjoy the movies. I don't sit there and, and watch them um, religiously like some people do. I enjoy them. But there's a new movie called Endgame. And it's, and it's hitting the theater on, I think, Thursday or Wednesday at midnight, whatever it was. And people are watching it and they're flocking to the theaters. But this morning I want to talk about a different endgame. It's not the Avengers. We're not going to talk about the Avengers this morning. We're going to talk about another endgame. And last week, we, we saw the resurrection of Christ. What was, last week, it was Easter Sunday, right? It was the time we, we, we worshiped together, we celebrated together the resurrection of Jesus Christ, amen? And in the church, we have all this buildup. We have all this buildup for Easter Sunday, and we look, we look towards uh, 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 Christmas, and then we also look towards Easter. And we had all this buildup to Easter Sunday. In fact, we had Palm Sunday the week before. We had Good Friday the Friday after, and then we had Easter Sunday last week. And then we get to this Sunday, and then it's like, now what, right? We had all this build up to Easter, and then what's, what happens next? And, and, and I think so many times we jump over uh, 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 things, and we go to another sermon series. Well, this morning, uh, the Lord put it on my heart to talk about the end game. And what is the end game? It's Jesus' final days upon the earth after his resurrection. And if you don't know it or not, if, if you don't, you don't know it now, but after Jesus was uh, 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 crucified, he rose and he spent 40 days, 40 days on his ministry on earth before he ascended into heaven. In fact, Paul gives us a little glimpse of it in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. It says, after that, he appeared to more than 500, talking about Jesus, 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, which means they, they passed away. 500 people in this one setting saw Jesus alive. And Jesus saw many people at different times. He saw the disciples many different times. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus' final ministry before, and also next week, before he ascended into heaven. And we know it didn't end with the cross. We know he didn't end with the tomb. We know that he's alive and he is well and he's functioning today through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so John 20 is, is the second to last book in John. There's John 20 and John 21. And John 20, it starts out with the resurrection story. We see Mary Magdalene goes and, and, and goes to the tomb, and, and to her surprise, she didn't find Jesus there. And then she goes and she tells Peter and the beloved one, which is John, and, and, and she tells them and, and tells them that, that Jesus is not in the tomb. And then later on, we see that Mary Magdalene is in the garden and, 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 and back at the tomb, and, and Jesus approaches her. And Jesus tells her, go tell the other disciples of what you have seen. And later on, and we'll see in our text today, that Jesus goes and he sees the, and he, and he presents himself to the ten disciples. But if you remember the Bible story, there's twelve disciples, right? One is not there, he's absent, and that is Doubting Thomas, right? 
And, and we'll get to him in just a second. But the other one is missing, and that is Judas. And Judas, when he found out that Jesus was going to be crucified, he went and he committed suicide and he hung himself. And so we have this morning, Jesus uh, goes and he presents himself to the 11 remaining disciples. And then this morning, in, in, in the end game, the final days of Jesus' ministry on earth, he not only challenges the disciples, but he challenges you and me today. Amen. And so we have to view it, and we have to receive it, and we have to respond to the challenge of what are we going to do. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John, chapter 20. We'll be looking at verse 19 through 21 in the beginning here. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, remember that, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hand and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. The first thing I want you to see, and that's regarding the disciples, is the disciples were afraid. They were afraid. See, we always skip over the disciples when we go to a man named Doubting Thomas. We go straight to him and we totally forget about these disciples. So here's the disciples, they're in the upper room again, and the Bible tells us that they gather on the first evening of the week, okay, or the first day of the week. What is the first day of the week? Sunday. Do you know most of the time, though, we view the first day of the week as a Monday, right? I go to work, and I'm like, here's another start of the week, you know, I'm can't wait to go down to the county of San Bernardino, right, and go work for him, right? We view that as Monday, but it's not Monday. It's Sunday when you think about it, right? And when you think about it, and if you don't believe me, look at your calendar because it starts with a Sunday and ends on a Saturday, but so many times we view it as it starts on a Monday and ends on a Sunday. No, it starts on a Sunday, ends on a Saturday, and we start our day in the Lord's house, fellowshipping with like minds, worshiping him, praising him, and we get to start our week like that. And that really ministered to me this week because I'm like, I don't know if I can view Mondays as a Monday no more. I can let the dreaded Mondays know it's excitement Sunday that can carry on through the rest of the week, and then it finishes out on the week on a Saturday. Amen. But it's not Monday, it's Sunday, the start of the week. But it's no coincidence that Jesus rose again on a Sunday. These men going back to the upper room the same day he rose and, and came together and fellowship with the, together and worship together. What does that sound like to you? Church. Amen? Church. Right? And they, maybe they came together and I guarantee you there was some praying, there was some worshiping, there was some, some concerns. Because they just saw Jesus die on a Friday. They're hearing stories now and they see the tomb and the tomb's empty. So where is Jesus' body? Mary might have been there and Mary might have said, I've seen him. But these other ten men are thinking, well, I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. Where is he at? So they came to this upper room, ten of the twelve. And good old Thomas wasn't there. And the Bible tells us they came during evening time. Well, when did Jesus rise from the grave? Morning. Think about this. Jesus rose early morning. Mary went to the tomb early morning. She, he wasn't there. So what had happened? She went back. They let morning pass. They let afternoon pass. Evening came. And they came together. 
They came to the upper room. They locked the door. They hunkered down. Why? Because they were afraid. If they weren't afraid, they would have had and came together in the morning or the afternoon, but they did it underneath the silence of evening because they were afraid of what was going to happen next. They saw Jesus die on the cross. They hung out with Jesus, and they viewed it that the Jews were going to come after them, that they were the next one to be crucified. And I imagine as they came to that room, they were hunkered down, and I can imagine they weren't being loud. They weren't drawing attention to themselves. They were probably being quiet. They were being quiet in the worship. They were being quiet. Plus, they just saw Jesus, their, their, their rabbi, their teacher, the, the, the son of God, or what they believed. They viewed him, and, and he's dead. There's no, there's no loud noises here. But listen to this. Verse 19 says, Jesus came. Jesus stood among them. Think about that. The door was locked. It was evening time. They were concerned. If you were around and you've just seen your, your, one of your, your, your greatest friends die, you would be huddled around each other, consoling each other, praying for each other, trying to encourage one another in a solemn thing. And Jesus, you get this, shows up. In the midst of it, Jesus shows up. The door was closed. It was locked. And he enters the room and he stands among the disciples. Amen? In the middle of their fear. In the middle of their anxiety. In the middle of their trouble. In the middle of their chaos. In the middle of their hurt. Jesus comes and he stands amongst them and he says, peace be with you. Let me tell you that. That's encouraging words today. That's encouraging words because I, if you're like me, there's times that I have downtime. There's times that I, I struggle with things and I have anxiety. And then there's times that I, I feel depressed or discouraged. And in the midst of that, in that midst of that situation, Jesus comes in the room and he tells them, peace be with you. Amen. In a world that's getting harder for us Christians, in a world that looks so negative, in a world that, 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 that that's, it's very easy to be fearful, Jesus comes into the room and says, peace be with you. If that doesn't encourage you, then we got to have a conversation later. That's encouraging stuff, church, amen? So we can, live in, uh, we can live with being afraid or we can receive peace through Christ. Peace, one of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Anxiety, your trouble, your issues, your concerns, your worry, everything. Cast it upon him because Jesus cares for you. What a real life example we have. And the fear and the anxiety, and our hurt, and our pain, and our solemnness, and our suffering, and our concern times, and our trouble times, and the times that are difficult, or the times that are hard, or the passing times, or the times that we don't like, we're not going to get through anything. Jesus shows up and says, peace be with you. He shows up on the scene, church, and he gives us peace. Amen. Now we can get to the good stuff. I had to address the disciples, which is Thomas. Okay? Follow me along with Thomas. Verse 24. 
says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. The first thing I want us to see about Thomas was he was absent. Someone say absent. He was absent. He wasn't with his disciples, his friends, when Jesus came. Where is Thomas? I don't know. Maybe he was troubled. Maybe he was, he was recovering himself. Maybe he was shocked by what had happened and he was concerned and didn't want to be around the other, other, other ten. I don't know. All I know is he was absent. And you know, because he was absent, you know what he missed? He missed his blessing. He missed his blessing. And you know why he missed his blessing? Because Jesus showed up for the other ten. It wasn't Jesus' fault that Thomas wasn't there. It was Thomas' fault that he wasn't there. And he missed out on seeing Jesus, one of the first few people of seeing Jesus that particular day because he was absent. Lesson here is don't miss church. Now go to point number three. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. In all seriousness, though, we view Sunday as the start of our week. We view Sunday as the start of the week, not the end of the week. Why wouldn't we be here worshiping and fellowshipping and praying and coming together as a church? Amen? See, but Thomas was unfortunately absent. And when he was told what happened that day, you know what he had? He had a bad attitude. He doubted. He didn't believe. He did not believe. See, Thomas is always painted as one of the weakling disciples. We always associate Thomas with what? Doubt. Right? We even name him Doubting Thomas. Right? What a negative name. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Now, Thomas has always been painted this as a weakling. In fact, his entire life was probably painted like this. The reason why I say this, Thomas is not a bad name. Okay, so if you know someone named Thomas, it's not a bad name. I'm not saying Thomas is a bad name. Thomas, okay, the Bible refers to him as Didymus, all right? You know what that means? Twin. Twin. So you got to think about the times. In our society today, if a woman's pregnant, they go and have an ultrasound, they see two heartbeats, you have what? Two babies. Back then, there was no ultrasound. So if you're giving birth and one pops out and then another one pops out, you're like, oh, my goodness, I was carrying twins. I didn't know that. So you would automatically call the other one twin, right? You had a boy and a girl name picked out, and it was, you know, uh, uh, you know Dennis or Nathania. And if it was a girl, I mean, it was a boy, it was Dennis, it was a girl named Nathania. But when the second one pops out, and you're like, I don't know what to name him. So they would name him twin. But think about this. Thomas is named twin. So when you think about the name Thomas, his entire life he was named twin. Think about that. I mean, that's, 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 that's horrible when you think about it. His parents never gave him a real name. And so it's okay if, if you were uh, a twin and, and, and you, were na- you were known as Dennis's twin. That, that, that's okay, right? But to be named that your entire life and be addressed by that your entire life, that gets a little frustrating. You, that, that, that can wear on somebody because you, you live in the shadows of your sibling, your twin sibling. But Thomas never had a name. His parents left his name as twin. And now he's known as the doubting twin, right? So he has no name, and now he's known as the doubting 
twin. But we see Thomas was a bold disciple. We see this in John 11, verse 16. It says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, there it is again, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So this bold disciple said, Let us go that we may die with Jesus. Jesus dies, and his bold disciple is nowhere to be found. Think about that. Nowhere to be found. When the others got together, he was not there. Where was Thomas? The man that was willing to die with Jesus, that was bold to Jesus. Where was this bold man? He wasn't there. He was absent. And because he was absent, he missed his blessing of seeing Jesus when he presented himself to the disciples. Let me tell you this. In life, when we are absent, we miss out. For those of us that have had school-age children or for those of us that have, that, that have current school-age children, we want them to be in school, correct? Dennis all the time, can I miss school? No, you can't miss school. You've got to go, boy, right? I don't, know what he's, I don't know why. I mean, I was the same way too, right? Mom, can I miss school? Of course you can't miss school, right? Dennis asked that, and I'm like, no, and why? Because you're going to miss something at school. You're going to miss a test. You're going to miss an assignment. You're going to fall behind. You can't be absent because when you're absent, you miss. When you miss, you fail. But, you know, we do that in our relationship with God. We do that in, our, in, 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 in coming as a church. See, if we view our relationship with God in that same manner, we wouldn't miss. We wouldn't have days off. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.8. Paul talks about being absent. He says, we are confident, yes, well pleased, whether to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Meaning once we die, we are absent from our body. And as soon as we're absent from our body, we're present with the Lord. If you reverse that and say, well, present, present in our body would be absent from the Lord. No, not in reality. What it is, 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 is when we choose to be absent from the Lord. We choose to be distant from the Lord. We choose to, to separate ourselves from the Lord. Amen. Being absent from his presence is not a good thing. I'll tell you this. When we're, when we're on diets, right? For those of you who know, I've, I've been changing the way I've been eating and trying to lose weight. I have cheat days, right? That's okay on a diet as long as it doesn't become a cheat week or it's going to a cheat month and becomes a cheat year, right? But there's no cheat days as Christians. There's no days off as Christians. There's no, I'm going to dabble in this and dabble in that because you know what happens? As we become absent from the Father. And I don't know about you, but I cannot be absent from the Father and lose my blessing because I chose to be separated from the Father. Amen? When we're absent from the Father, what we're doing is we're taking a chance. And if God is wanting to bless us and work in our lives, but we choose to be separated from God and be absent from God, we're going to miss our blessing just like Thomas did. Because he wasn't there. And because he wasn't there, he didn't see Jesus. Think about that. We cannot afford to be absent away from the Father. Amen? Let me tell you this. If Thomas wasn't absent that first Sunday, you know he would never learn, earn the name Doubting. He would never be known as Doubting Thomas. But he was absent. And because he was absent, it changed his name for eternity. Today, we refer him as Doubting Thomas. But if he was where he was supposed to be at that day, which was supposed to be with the other ten disciples, 
consoling them, uh, 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 worshiping with them, praying with them, whatever it is with them. He would never have gotten the name Doubting Thomas because it would be never an opportunity for him to doubt that Jesus was alive. Don't be absent from the Father. Amen? The third thing I want us to see in verse 25, he says, So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers uh, where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas's ambiguity. Say that ten times fast. Ambiguity. Ambiguity, I had to come up with a word, and I didn't come up with it, but ambiguity means doubt. Okay? Thomas doubted what others told him. You know, Thomas gets this name doubter. But you know he wasn't the only one that doubted? He wasn't the only one that doubted? Mary went to the tomb and Jesus wasn't there. So what does the Bible tell us? She runs and she tells who? John. She tells Peter. Jesus is not there. And instead of them saying, okay, Mary, I believe you, what do they say? We got to go to the tomb and check it out for ourselves. Why? Because they doubted. So then we see Peter and John take off to the tomb, right? And John gets there first, and he he sees the tomb. Peter comes in after him and had to see the tomb. Why? Because they doubted. Jesus presented himself to the ten disciples in the other room. He showed him his hands. He showed him the side. And then verse 20, he says, peace be with you. And then once they saw the, the hand and the side, the Bible says, then they were joyed. But they just saw Jesus. And they didn't view Jesus as Jesus until they saw the hands in his side. You know why? Because they doubted. Otherwise, they would have saw Jesus for who he was. And then if we go back to Mary, Mary at the tomb was looking at Jesus. In verse 14, we see it says that this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. You know why? Because she doubted. She didn't believe what Jesus said. She didn't believe that he'd be resurrected. She even said, I thought in verse 15, I thought it was the gardener. She's staring at Jesus, thought it was the gardener. Did not realize it was Jesus. You know why? Because she did not believe what he said. She did not listen. She did not take hold of it. And they doubted that Jesus could be alive. Thomas wasn't the only doubter. They all doubted him. But Thomas earned the name doubting because he was absent that first day. Think about that. Tell you what, not many... Gardeners look like Jesus, right? Here she was thinking it was a gardener talking to her. It was Jesus who was talking to her. Now the ten tell, uh, tell Thomas what they've seen. And Thomas doesn't believe none of it. He says, when I see Jesus, for him it wasn't good enough to see Jesus. He said, I want to see Jesus. I want to touch the, nail, the holes in his hands. I want to touch his side, and then I'll believe that he's resurrected. He was doubting. In fact, you know, I was thinking about this this, this, this week. Think about this. Doubting is defined as a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. 
That's what doubt means. Mistrust. Mistrust means, uh, uh, is defined as having no confidence in. If you hear those two definitions, and we just read about Thomas, what does he fall under? Doubt or mistrust? Mistrust. He totally did not have confidence that Jesus would rise again, and he wanted to see him, and he wanted to touch him because he mistrusted in what Jesus said. He said, then I would believe. See, church, in many ways, we're a Mary. In many ways, we're a Peter. In many ways, we're a John. In many ways, we're a Thomas. That we want to see God move in our lives, but we want to see it, and then we'll believe it. But that's not what God is telling us. That's not faith. That's not true faith. That's mistrust. And we tell God, you know what, I want to give you this, or I want this to happen in my life. And what happens is we lack faith. And the opposite of, 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 of faith is not doubt, it's mistrust. Totally not trusting. Faith, 100% trust. Not faith is, is, is not doubt. It is totally mistrusting. It's saying, I don't think, God, you can handle this situation. I don't think you can do this. I don't think you can do that. Whatever it may be, and we turn around and we mistrust. We don't doubt God. We totally mistrust God. And that's harsh. Because I'm telling you right now that there's a book of promises right here that apply to not only these people over 2,000 years ago, but it applies to us today. And the thing is, it's a hard thing, but sometimes we have to go down to it and realize that this book here has promises and we can apply them to our lives today. Amen? Because it wasn't meant just for them, it was meant for us. The last thing I want us to see, verse 26 to 29. It says, a week later his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked again, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The third time he said it. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. That's a word for somebody today. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 28 says, Thomas said to them, my Lord and my God. Verse 29 says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. The last thing I want us to see this morning is Thomas' amazement. Thomas was amazed. We see a week later, the disciples were in the house again. What day was it? The first day of the week. Was it a Monday? It was a Sunday. Where were they at? At church again, and this man named Jesus shows up again. You know, are you serious? Jesus shows up in church? He just shows up in church on Sunday, every Sunday, amen? He shows up again. Shouldn't be a surprise to us, but he shows up again. The doors are locked, and Jesus comes in again, stands in the, amongst them, and he tells, remember what, what Thomas said, when I see Jesus, I'm still not going to believe because I want to touch his, his hands and I want to touch his side. Jesus walks straight up to Thomas. And I can imagine Thomas is staring at him like, is this Jesus, right? And Jesus does, just says, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hands. Touch my side. He doesn't even, Thomas doesn't even say anything. But he already knows what Thomas is thinking. Isn't that amazing? When you think about it, he knows our hearts. 
He knows our wants. He knows our needs. And Thomas had a need to, to, to have faith and not doubt any longer. And, he, and he, he doesn't even say anything to Thomas other than touch my hands, touch my side. And then he tells him, stop doubting and believe, Thomas. See, Psalms 139 verse 4 says, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Before we utter something out of our mouths, God knows our inner being and he knows our hearts already. Amen? Jesus knew Thomas's heart. He knew Tom, what Thomas said eight days ago. And instead of coming down upon him, instead of saying, listen, you doubting Thomas. You know, it's amazing. Jesus didn't name him Doubting Thomas. We did. You know, Jesus didn't put titles on us. We put titles on ourselves. We put titles and we put mantles upon us that are not meant for us to carry because I guarantee you, Jesus didn't mean to call Thomas a doubting Thomas. He just says, stop doubting. He didn't say you're a doubter. He said, stop doubting. Amen? And here, here's Thomas wearing a mantle now of, of doubting Thomas. It's not his mantle to wear. It's not something for him to carry. And I'm going a little far off off my notes, but there's things that have been attached to us in our lives that people have fed into our lives. It was not what Jesus said about us, and we carry them, and we hold on to them, and we're, we're, we're 20, 30, 40, 50, 70 years old, and says, this happened to me when I was 18 or 20 or 30, but it's time to let it go. Amen? I can keep going on that one, but that's not in my notes, and uh, just, okay, I'll leave that there. Okay, so, but instead of coming down on him, he spoke to Thomas's fear. He spoke to his unbelief. And in the same way he speaks to us today, he says, stop doubting. Amen? He said, stop doubting and believe. He's telling that, Dennis, stop doubting and believe. He's saying, Joy, stop doubting and believe, right? Kathy says, stop doubting and believe. Amen? Daylene is saying, stop doubting and believe. JJ, stop doubting and believe. That's what he's saying to us. Stop doubting and believe. And you know what Thomas did? He forgot about all of it. Jesus commanded his attention, and he forgot about all of it. He forgot about his doubt. He forgot about his concern. He forgot about all of it, and his focus was put on Jesus, and all he said was, my Lord and my God. There was no doubt no more because Jesus commanded his attention and there was no longer doubt in his life because when you're sitting in front of God, you better, ha you better have your attention. Amen? He no longer wanted to touch Jesus' hands. He no longer wanted to touch Jesus' side. And then Jesus goes on and he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen. Let me tell you this. We have felt his presence. But none of us has seen Jesus. But he says, blessed are those who have not seen but believed. Blessed are those that have not seen but believed. Blessed are those. Who is blessed? We are. We are blessed. Even though we have not seen, we believe. And if we believe, then the word is we are blessed. We all have the opportunity to receive the blessings of Christ. Amen. I want to leave you with this this morning. Once we stop being afraid, once we stop being afraid, once we stop being absent, and we exchange our doubts for faith, 
And once we decide to participate in the will of God and what he wants in our life, then we will see the amazements in our lives. There are things that will amaze you, that will shock you, that will tell you that, listen, there is no other way that this could possibly happen than God. Amen? And I always point back at my kids and say, you know what, they're my walking miracle because they are my walking miracle because Nathaniel should have never got pregnant. Never got pregnant. And we didn't find that out until after the second one. That took us an additional eight years to have. The doctor was sitting there and said, you're... Your tubes are not right. That egg should have never dropped. And we sat there in the hospital bed and we said, oh, we know why it dropped. Because we've been praying and believing in faith that's going to happen. Amen? And I look back at that and that's for my forever amazement and look at it and say, you know what? God is good. God is good. He will amaze us, but we just have to surrender to him. We have to put the doubt aside as much as it is and turn our, our mistrust into doubt and turn our doubt into faith. Amen? Surrender it to him. I'm going to close in prayer. And like I said, don't leave. We're going to have a raffle here in a minute. Let's go before the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we live our life this week, Lord, that, number one, we don't live it in fear of the unknown, but we live it on the faith of the known, and that's your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we're not absent from the Father, but we're a participant in his service. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we don't doubt, Lord, that we have faith in who you are. I pray, Lord, that there's going to be things this week, Lord, that's going to happen in, 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 in a supernatural thing, Lord, where, where something's going to happen where we say, we, we, this shouldn't have happened, but God made a way. And that is our amazement, Lord. I ask you, Heavenly Father, as you minister to these 11 disciples, Lord, you're ministering to us. It's our challenge today, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that you work on our hearts, you work on our lives. Lord, you allow us to be more and more in, in, in your will and in, in your way, Heavenly Father. Tailor our lives to you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we take this word, Lord, and we, and we meditate on it. Lord, we, 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 we sense it, Lord. We, we chew on it this week, Heavenly Father. Protect us, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, and, and thoughts of doubt will be in our mind, even though we've given it up. I pray, Lord, that we move forward and move closer to you, Heavenly Father. As your word says, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Protect us. Keep us safe. Bring us back Sunday, Lord, for another time of worship and fellowship with you, Lord. In, in, in Jesus' precious name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen, amen. In a minute here, if you need prayer, come on up. Mike, you have... Everyone's name is in here? Yours not? No. I, okay, we need two there. And Cora and Jose? Okay. You can put their name on here too. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You have a pen? Me either. Yes. You got it.
Anyone else? Okay. My name's not in here, so. <laughs> That's always my biggest fear on doing the drawings. When your name is in there and you pull your own name. I remember a few, a few years back, we, we said uh, we were giving away a bike, and, I, and Dennis goes, I want to be in the drawing. I was like, no. And he goes, yeah. And then other people were like, yeah, why not? He's, a, he's one of our kids. You had to throw him in there. And uh, I said, um, no. I was like, no, we, we won't put your name in there. And sure enough, he won the bike. And I was like, well, of course he did. So, all right, Liz, you can help me out. All right. Kathy Hatfield. And Kathy already has her tickets. You wanted it last time too? Oh, you still have it too. Well, uh, we can all uh, uh, have our chairs around Kathy and sharing her popcorn. No, I'm just playing. If you need prayer for whatever reason, feel free to call on up. I do have, I think, four or five tickets left. Um, if you want to purchase them here, you can. Uh, if not, we'll see you at the movies at 4.05. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next Sunday, church. God bless you.